Hey everyone, welcome to yet another episode of the Inner Realm Podcast. I don't know why I said it like that. Just in a good mood. Uh, forgive me uh, for looking a bit retarded. Oh, I can't say that word anymore, is it? In any case, uh, welcome to yet another episode. Uh, I'm going to continue on this sub-series where uh, I've been reading out these guiding axioms that I wrote down for my newsletter. Uh, as I was writing them down, I came to the realization that indeed these axioms are, are a framework for all of my creative work. Sorry for the pretentious term, but I realized this is great because it allows me to give me a good foundation, a good framework uh, to whatever I do in this podcast uh, in NRL, which is why I want to share them with you, given the fact that I'm assuming uh, you're listening and you want to know what the hell this thing is all about. The honest answer is, I don't know either. And this is my attempt to try and make sense of it. So yes, guiding axiom number six is embody humility without vanity. And in my creative work, when I'm trying to be humble, when I'm trying to be open-minded, let's say, I will try to do that without being vain. And I shall get into what that means in this uh, essay, in this piece, uh, let's say. Alrighty, let's get started. Um, so I've got this uh, piece of art here uh, called the flagellation. Uh, it wasn't, I couldn't really find a good quality image. Maybe I could find something better for the thumbnail of this video, but... Uh, Oh, sorry, I didn't mention this. Uh, if you do want to read the piece, if you prefer reading over listening to it, the reason I'm, you know, reading it out is because a lot of people, in fact, prefer watching something or listening to something over reading. But if you're like me, who, who prefers reading, then I'll leave the link to this original piece uh, down below in the description. And please consider subscribing to my newsletter too. Uh, it's called The Unhappy Man. That too uh, will be a part of the link, I guess. So let's get started. Uh, I'll read the title one more time just to make sure that, you know, it all comes together. Embody humility without vanity. Nietzsche wrote, our honesty, we free spirits. Let us be careful lest it becomes our vanity, our ornament and ostentation, our limitation, our stupidity. Every virtue inclines to stupidity. Every stupidity to virtue. Stupid to the point of sanctity. They say in Russia, let us be careful lest out of pure honesty we eventually become saints and bores. Beyond Grand Evil, Aphorism 227. And in a similar vein, Joseph Conrad wrote, Vanity plays lurid tricks with our memory, and the truth of every passion warns some pretense to make it live. Lord Jim. Chapter 41. Though different in prose, both superlative writers disclose a sublime yet mostly overlooked truth about us. Every virtue is a vice, and no virtue is independent of the passions and underlying psychic forces of being human. Perhaps this datum applies mostly to those good old Protestant virtues of humility and noble suffering. Both have the predisposition to become the vainest, most narcissistic acts, particularly in our times of perpetual exhibitionism. 
Humility is a virtue, but being humble doesn't make one a good person. If only being good was that easy. Ironically, those who proclaim to be the most humble and open-minded seem to have an overweening pride about their perspicuity as they flaunt empty catchphrases from contemporary self-help books like Ego is the Enemy. I'm familiar with this elk as I'm one of them. Pause. Uh, something I've realized was, <laughs> for some reason, in my essays, when I attack the self-help genre, I tend to always pick on Ryan Holiday. It's nothing against him personally. I think he writes some really good books. But I find that because he talks about stoicism, that subgenre within self-help has become this fanatical religion for most people, especially in my circles, like in the tech startup space. That's kind of annoying, which is sort of why I pick on Ryan Holiday. But I don't mean him in particular. I think he does write some great books. Obviously, you know, he's very, very uh, uh, famous uh, and his books are very popular. It's just a lot of self-help has become the modern religion and it can be rather annoying, uh, at least for myself. Anyway, back to this. A person who makes humility a part of their identity rather than an existential tool is one of the most exasperating kinds to be around. As Conrad articulated, vanity has played a trick on them by taking a perennial virtue, at least since the rise of Christendom, and making it a vice. Humility becomes haughtiness. They resemble that annoying spiritualist, hippie who's had a few psychedelic trips and decides to preach to the rest of us unenlightened sheep about, about the true nature of reality and how we are all blinded by our egos, engrossed in our trivial superficialities, etc. I have the desire to punch such people in the face. Footnote on that point. For those who claim to be spiritual but not religious, I point to this thought-provoking study that concludes... People who have spiritual understanding of life in the absence of a religious framework are vulnerable to mental disorder. Thank you to my bro and my, my best one of my best mates, you and Go, for sharing this piece with me. Uh, I'll leave a link to that study in the description too. Radical, unquestioned humility is as equally totalitarian as the quasi-solipsistic egoism of a fascist or spiritualist. The humble man, at least implicitly, makes a similar claim about his unprejudiced epistemic insights and superior knowledge about reality by virtue of the humility he embodies. Much like a rapacious capitalist who flaunts his wealth at the commoner, the humble man has the penchant for using his identifying virtue for vain social signaling. Despite his outer facade of earnest permissiveness, he nevertheless feels superior to the rest of us Neanderthals. The problem with humility is captured best by an old Jewish joke. I in fact heard Slavoj Žižek make this joke before and it's, it's so good. I had to, I had to add, add this in, in my writing. And the joke goes like this. Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the year, reaches its climatic moment. The rabbi in front of his congregation throws himself down on hands and knees, an ultimate act of self-abnegation. He cries out to his creator, God, 
Before you, I am nothing. The canter on cue jettisons down, sobbing with animation. Before you, I am nothing. Mr. Schwartz in the first row is so moved, so inspired, so galvanized that he dives down, landing on hands and knees and yells out, Before you, I am nothing. We're just hearing the kerfuffle in the first row. The rabbi looks over to the canter, dripping with sarcasm. He says, look who thinks he's nothing. Pragmatic humility. The proper way to view humility is the pragmatic lens we see in the Old Testament. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 9.10 Fearing the Lord imbues humility. However, it's a virtue that's a means to an end via its utilization to gain wisdom. Not for any spiritual salvation or ostentatious enlightenment, nor is humility synonymous with the pristine goodness of one's soul. As King Solomon writes, to be humble is to know our existential finitude, mortality and ignorance when facing the ground of all being. Two footnotes, the first one on King Solomon. Parts of the book of Proverbs are attributed, some scholars argue apocryphally, to King Solomon. He was the first monarch of the of the United Kingdom of Israel, a major Islamic prophet and a noteworthy figure in all Abrahamic religions. And the other foot footnote is on um, this bit where I say, an ignorance when facing the ground of all being. The Lord being referred to here is God, who are defined in Portillacan terms. God is a being itself, not a being. On this basis, a first step can be taken towards the solution of the problem which usually is discussed as the eminence and the transcendence of God, as the power of being. God transcends every being and also the totality of beings, the world. Being itself is beyond finitude and infinity. Otherwise, it would be conditioned by something other than itself, and the real power of being lie beyond both it and which, it, which conditioned it. Systematic Theology, Volume 1, page 237. But on the other hand, Herman Melville would argue, and I think so would Paul Tillich, but Herman Melville does make this clear in um, Moby Dick, and I derive this idea from Hubert Dreyfus's lectures on Moby Dick, that God can never be defined. But I think Paul Tillich would say a similar thing, because it kind of relates with his non-theistic theology. It's to acknowledge and bring to light our truest position in the universe, perhaps even with a healthy dose of fear, as he suggests. That's what humility is, according to King Solomon. Therefore, humility should be embodied with that aforementioned utilitarian ethos rather than a self-important, supercilious Kantian moralism. No virtue, be it humility or noble suffering, ought to be treated as an abstraction that exists much like a platonic or mathematical entity, somewhere out there, detached from the subject, i.e. you and me, who, who has his own idiosyncrasies and impressionistic experience, which affect how the virtue manifests in reality. In fact, virtues don't exist without a human being. Our virtues 
manifests not in submission to a Kantian categorical imperative, i.e. the moral law, but in our ultimate responsibility to our inner conscience, our eternal self, we can never repudiate that responsibility. Pause. Uh, this is the thing when writing to discover things. I don't know if I believe in that idea anymore of an inner conscience. Well, inner conscience, yes, but I don't know if I believe in the idea of an eternal self, as I don't think a self in that sense exists. After reading a bit of Zizek and Lacan, I've come to realize that. I don't think an authentic eternal self exists. At least, that's what I think at the moment. And it's something I've been battling with. So, perhaps I should put that caveat here, that this is not a belief I hold anymore. In any case, back to the last few sentences. Nor can it be abstracted away into a disengaged metaphysical system. Perhaps in that case, no systematically derived moral virtue is absolute, and the morality of man lies beyond moral laws, or beyond good and evil, as Nietzsche would say. Ergo, one shouldn't mistakenly assume practicing the virtue of humility makes one a humble person, as mostly it's vanity. Thanks for listening.